Well, we are doing a sermon series on broken signposts and those those things that need to be rebuilt, restored, renewed, and that's our theme for the year. And there's seven things in the Gospel of John, justice, love, spirituality. We covered those the last three weeks, and you can catch those on YouTube. Beauty is today. Freedom, truth, and power are coming in the next weeks. These are seven things that science doesn't have anything to say about. Now, I'm not anti-science. In fact, I've helped start an engineering school twice. Uh, Science is a good thing. We find things out, we look things up, we measure things, and it works. And that's great. But science is ethically and spiritually neutral. It doesn't tell us how we ought to live. It doesn't tell us much about anything as far as that goes. And it doesn't say anything about these seven things. So these seven things are important And it's important that people of faith continue to emphasize these things because without them, life is really not much worth living. Justice, love, spirituality, beauty, freedom, truth, and power. We're talking about beauty today. We saw beauty in music as Hannah was leading worship. We saw beauty in a brand new baby here who was waking up just enough to get the bottle and uh, doing really, really well. So we're going to be repairing broken signposts. And this is part four, beauty. And I'd like to start by saying that it's been an ugly year in search of beauty. Nobody would say that this last year has been the best for our country or for us or for anything else. It's been really challenging. We need to be honest about that. Who here has started watching less news just because it's depressing during this year? You just say, I just can't watch this anymore. i got to make sure that I'm not all – at the beginning of this stuff, we're all watching it. We're all paying attention, and now we just think, oh, I don't really want to see any more of this. There's been a lot of death, a lot of division, and a lot of destruction. Uh, I met someone in the swimming pool at the desert a few weeks ago from Portland. I said, well, what's going on in Portland? She says, it's basically just a trash fire, the, the, the whole town. There's just all this stuff happening all the time. People just go out and break things and destruction all over the place. And it just hasn't been good. So we're looking for beauty in a year that hasn't been particularly beautiful. This is why Ellie has been such a wonderful blessing to us in this year, and we need those bright spots. So we're going to look at a rather curious Bible passage, but this is the raising of Lazarus, and it has a lot to do with Ellie's baptism, with Hannah's worship, and with this year, and how God calls us forth out of those places, those dark places, those places of depression, resignation, giving up, uh, places of death, small d death, in the sense where we let things die. And we just want things to go away. So John 11, 1 through 6. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary. Go back to this one. Verse 2. Go back to 2. There we go. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, I am just... Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And I'd like you to try to remember, and I'm not trying to bring up bad stuff, 
but where you were when you heard really bad news. Did you hear it over the phone? Did someone tell you in person? We've all got that. The phone call in the middle of the night, you think, oh, this can't be good. It's two in the morning. Who's calling? What's going on? And we get those flashes of news. And Jesus got this news that Lazarus was sick. And by the way, you don't send a messenger to find Jesus unless it's serious. It's it's one of those things where, yeah, this when it came to Jesus, we got to remember, folks, Jesus was a Middle Eastern man and very passionate about a lot of things like Middle Eastern men are. And this, this hits him emotionally. Middle Eastern men are not emotionally stultified like some of us here in the West. They express their emotions. They kiss each other. They yell. They, they laugh. They cry. They dance. They're, they're emotional people. And this had to strike Jesus as hard, really hard. Now, he had the faith to raise Lazarus. But, folks, faith, if you know something is going to happen, you don't need faith. And so Jesus had to, in his humanness, had to kind of deal with that. It's not like he's some Superman masquerading as a person and he's, oh, just go fix all this stuff. And he's thinking, whoa, I've just got some of the worst news because these are people very close to him. And when we get that ugly news and we're all afraid of that ugly news and whatever my family members are separated from me and I get a phone call, I just flinch for a second sometimes thinking, I wonder what's going on. I wonder what's happened. I hope everyone's what? Okay. Hope everyone's okay. And when you get a phone call and someone says, are you sitting down? That's not good either. You think, okay, this is, this is going to be tough. I remember when my dad died, my brother Tim called and he said, Dave, sit down. And I said, oh, this is not good because he's never said that to me in my life. You know, sit down. And my father passed away suddenly. And it's, it's hard when those things happen. We get those those things we get the we hear through the grapevine where you get fired at work or we hear that uh, um, someone's marriage is falling apart or or someone's financially in trouble or we hear that someone has been diagnosed with covid and they're at risk and we hear these things and you think oh this is not good so jesus receives this news just like we would receive that news verse 7 then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. This is where, of course, Lazarus was buried. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. You're going to go there again? You're going to go back to where? And this is real danger. This is real danger. Have you ever been in a bad neighborhood where you're looking over your shoulder all the time? You're just thinking, okay, am I safe here? Is it okay here? doesn't happen to me as often because I'm kind of a big person, but if you're a smaller person, you're probably looking over your shoulder a lot, thinking, is this okay to be here? There's bars on all the, the windows. There's, there's, uh, yeah, there's barbed wire over the top of the fences. Am I going to be okay here? And if it gets dark, will I really be okay here? What's, uh, what's going to happen? Do we really want to go back to what's the threat that is there? Jesus answered, and he always answers sort of paradoxically. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. And they're thinking, okay, there goes Jesus again, talking about this or that or the other thing. Well, what about going back there? And what if they come after us during the day? You know, <laughs> how do we know it's going to be at night? And I can just imagine being one of the disciples thinking, okay, here he goes being paradoxical. Again. And so what are we supposed to do? Should we go with him? But if one walks at night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, 
but I go that I may wake him up. And this is where the disciples go into what I call Monty Python zone. Uh, just like, yeah, if he's asleep, he'll get up, won't he? You know, that kind of thing. They're, they're not the sharpest crayons in the box. And that really gives me a lot of hope that Jesus chose 12 underachievers who never really got it. I mean, Jesus, at the very end of his ministry, was ascending into heaven, and they're saying, are you going to be the prime minister now? Can we sit in the cabinet? I mean, they, they just com completely, and they wrote these stories about themselves. I'm thinking, don't you guys, well, anyways, so Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, he had to be very clear. Let me speak really clearly with you. Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And they're thinking, what is he talking about? Folks, they didn't have the end of the story. I mean, we've got the end of the story. Those of us who have been in the church for a long time know that Lazarus has been raised. Some of you might be hearing this for the first time, but we know that he was raised. But they didn't. They're thinking, we're going back into the danger zone. Jesus is talking theological, spiritual, who knows what. And so what does this mean? What does this mean for us? Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. He was sort of the Eeyore of the group, you know, just in a lemmer work, we'll all be killed. You know, and there's Thomas doing his thing. And, uh, Thomas was the one who was doubting at the end that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And he said, let's just, we may as well go, you know, there's nothing else for us to do. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Four days. That's a long time, and this was before the embalming that we know about. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, that's not some way to greet somebody who's showing up. I mean, if you'd been here, he would be dead. You know, it's, Put yourself in Jesus' shoes here. Now, he's getting blamed for the death. Just a little tip. When someone dies, don't blame someone else for it. It just doesn't sit well. It probably didn't sit well with Jesus. And he got angry. And we're not sure what he's angry. Is he angry at them? Is he angry at what's going on? But he did get angry at this point. Verse 22. But now, even know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. In other words, she's thinking, he's saying, he's in a better place. He'll be raised again on the last day. We'll see him in heaven someday, whatever. And she's not thinking now. She's not thinking this is going to happen now. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And Jesus here 
is about to bring beauty out of death, bring life out of death, bring joy out of mourning, bring these people out of the place where they went. And it's symbolic for all of us because we all have a death place. Somewhere we go where we are down on everything, where we're frustrated about everything, where we think things aren't going to work, where we look at our checkbook and think it's just going to get more and more red ink, where we look at our vocations and say it'll never be like it used to be. I'll never be able to do the things I was capable of before. I may as well just wait it out. Relationships, we think, oh, you know, it'll ne- well, we go on and on. Whatever it is for you, we all have different places where we go where there's a small d death going on, a death to a dream, a death to what is happening, a death to joy. And I just want to share some pictures of a fantastic place. My son and I, when he was in high school, got a couple of backpacks and we went around Europe on a Eurail pass. We'd sleep in the trains and wake up in another town and go do something. And I took him to a place called Chartres. And Chartres is... If you were to poll 100 architects around the world, it would probably win as the most beautiful building in the world, Chartres Cathedral. And it's a dumpy little town that has never been anything more than a dumpy little town. It's never been an important city. But for generations, and this is like 800, 900 years ago, for generations, they built this cathedral. And almost none of the builders saw it completed. And there was no fancy or famous people working on it. But this village, if you picture the Middle Ages, folks, this is people throwing their, their garbage out the window into the street. This is, this is an ugly place where none of you would live. In the Middle Ages, where people died in their 30s and the plague kept coming through. And yet, they built this, this incredible building. And you walk inside, and it takes your breath away. <laughs> you can't even breathe. You just think, this is fantastic. How did these people do this? And yet their Christian faith, year in, year out, in the middle of the Middle Ages, the high Middle Ages, this was just not a good time to be alive. They worked on this thing for ages. And with all of our technology and all of our resources, we can't build a building like this. And we haven't, really. It's, it's just absolutely fantastic. And bringing forth beauty out of ashes, beauty out of death. This is a faith statement. One person said when I was designing a church building once, you can say what you want, but if people hear you say one thing and they look at your building, they'll believe the building. In a way, our building is a faith statement, what we put together. And so beauty is a a really important part of the picture. And Jesus is about to bring beauty and life out of a death situation, a mourning situation, a, a weeping situation. Verse 28, And when she said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, you've heard the Mary and Martha story where Mary's the hero while Martha's making dinner. At this story, though, the tables are turned, and Martha's the hero and the one who brings Mary around. So it's interesting how in different places we can play different roles. Verse 30, now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were in her, with her in the house and comforting her 
when they saw Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, he's hearing this for the second time. It doesn't go over any better the second time when you hear this. So it's my fault that, uh, that he died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Folks, he wasn't just acting here. Jesus was troubled by a lot of things. Jesus was troubled by all the things he was seeing. Jesus was troubled that his friend was dead. Jesus had a whole bunch of troubling going on at this point, and he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, Jesus wept. And the idea that men shouldn't cry, that is not something that Middle Easterners are familiar with. They can howl and weep with the best of them. Like I say, they're emotional people. I, I was in Israel once interviewing a couple for one of my books, and she was a retired sniper for the Israeli army. That's why I was interviewing her. And she and her husband got in a fight during dinner about whether or not women should be in the army. And sure, she had been this sniper and had been a killer for, for the Israeli army. And she says, it's about training. It's not about strength. He said, well, I'd hate to have to carry someone. He threw the napkin down and yelled at her and walked out. He comes back a few minutes later. We had dessert together. I mean, that's just the way they are. It's, it, these are passionate people. If you've been to Israel and go to the non-touristy spots, it's edgy. It's edgy all the time. I sat down with a couple of plumbers once at a place where we were having lunch, and I, we started talking about the Messiah. I told them I was a Christian. They said, well, you believe in a Messiah then? I said, yeah. I asked the question, do you think the Messiah would know he's the Messiah from childhood? And one said yes, and the other said no, and they went after each other. I don't know where that question came from, but it, it set them off. And if you watch the Israeli parliament, they go over the tables after each other from time to time over things. So... This, this is one of those things where he's weeping, and this is real. This is not a show. He's not faking it. He's feeling the pain of the people. He understands what's going on here. 37, and some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? How would you like to hear that, too? If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. And then someone says, wow, he opened the eyes of the blind. Couldn't he kept this guy from dying? And it's going round and round and round. And you ever been in a group of people where you feel your, your status just dropping, where people are just talking bad about you, junior high, whatever, those things happen? There's a medieval poet who was, a, um, who was in love with Jesus, and he never was around Christians, didn't get a chance to become one. But he wrote all kinds of poems about Jesus because he kept hearing about Jesus. His name was, was Rumi. He was Persian. And he, one of his famous poems is this one. I called through your door. The disciples are gathering in the street. Come out. Leave me alone. I'm sick. I don't care if you're dead. Jesus is here and he wants to resurrect somebody. It's just a, it's a beautiful poem. It really is. I think of Jesus is here and he wants to resurrect somebody. I don't care if you're dead. I'm sick. I don't want to come out. Well, fine. Uh, you know, it just really gets at this story. Then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, groaning in himself. You ever just have the, but just, just really, there's just a lot of emotion flowing through you. And his, his nose is, you know, there's, there's that whole kind of thing going on. Came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. 
Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Oh, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he's been dead four days. Now, I had a friend in the Global South who was a pastor, and I said, I hear in the Global South, you folks have experienced people being raised from the dead. And he says, oh, yeah, eight, nine, ten times. I said, tell me about it. He says, well, it's like this, he said. The sooner you get there, the easier it is, which I think is, makes sense. Four days, that doesn't cut it. That's, that's way beyond anything. And there are times when people are just dying where they can come back, and it's hard to say what death is. It really is. And that's why we have CPR, to bring people back from those near-death situations. And it is true. If you want to raise the dead, get there quickly. And this has been four days. So they're thinking, this is, this is off the table at this point. This is not going to happen. But Jesus wants to show people that he can do anything with God's power, that anything broken in our lives can be fixed. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Jesus was bringing forth life from death, and, as it says in the book of Isaiah, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy instead of sadness, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I'd invite you all to, to stand. And just uh, close your eyes. And find a place in your soul where you have the least faith. The thing you're praying for that you have the least faith for. Like, that's never going to happen. It's already been four days, or whatever it is. It can be a financial thing, a vocational thing. It can be a relational thing. It can be someone's salvation you've been praying for. It can be anything, a place where you crawl into a hole and you give up on faith. I know that one of my places like that is just being tempted to coast. Tempted to coast, just kind of Not sign up for anything big that God wants to do. Just coast. Plug my ears when God says, why don't you go do this big thing? Where's that place for you? And he says to you, 
come forth. Come forth into the light. Didn't I say to you that you'd see the glory of God if you just believe? Lord, I just pray that you would bless us with more faith. Faith to walk out of the grave. Faith to choose faith. Faith not to give up. Faith not to resign. Faith not to live in the past. Faith to step into the present and see your glory and power. We give you thanks, Lord, for the beauty all around us. Help us to see beauty today. And Lord, I pray that that beauty would call us out of those little graves we have for ourselves where we hide. Lord, I give you thanks for the, the compragers that are stepping out into a brand new life. It takes a lot of faith to do that. And Lord, I just, as disappointed I, as I am that they won't be around, Lord, I've sensed from the very minute they said it that this is your calling. I want to pray the same blessing, Lord, on the McDougals. We'll be leaving soon for the same thing. Lord, as much as I try to pray against it, you're in it. And we give you thanks for that. We pray, Lord, that all of us would come forward and step out. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Come forth out of the grave in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it for today, folks. I'd like you to uh, all get a chance to uh, to greet our little baby here. And it'd be wonderful to congratulate the parents. Uh, for those of you watching on TV, we're so blessed to have you with us too. And thanks so much for watching. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That really helps us a lot. Because the more we get subscribers, the more YouTube puts this in front of lots of people, which I think is really cool. So have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you back again next week.